good to see everybody. It's, it's exciting to come together and to be, be able to stand in what we believe, <clears throat> enjoy the things we enjoy together in each other with the condition of things out there that way and the, <clears throat> and the rapid curve that things seem to be taken. You don't really know what the surprise is going to be from day to day. <clears throat> but we have a hope that's beyond that. <clears throat> and that's what we come together to celebrate the, the presence of God in, in each of us and what we are together in Him. So let's come together and let Him know our appreciation for it.
Thank God for the praises and for the spirit that is always refreshing, it's always new. You are open to it. Uh, it can really touch us and give some meaning to our lives. So we thank the Lord for that. When we first got to the farm in Mexico, we had this uh, old tractor, uh, 5,000 Ford with a mechanical steering wheel. And uh, we needed to work these fields. We had about, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 10 acres that we needed to, to plant. Uh, but uh, irrigate with uh, with uh, water water used to come through canals, so you have to make uh, your rows. But uh, I noticed that the neighbors had these straight rows, very straight, like an arrow. And obviously, I couldn't do that, so uh, I went and talked to one of them. And he said, okay, now to start with the steering wheel, the mechanical steering wheel, if you ever driven one of those tractors, you have to be very careful because if it hits a rock or something, it tends to, to turn. And they said, don't hold it too tight because it can really hurt your hands if it gets going. So you got that problem. But then he said, what you need to do is that you see that mosquito over there? I said, yes. He said, okay, you put your eyes there. And so you, you look at that mosquito and you get going. Don't, don't look anything else. All you have to do is that. Don't look at your steering wheel. Don't look what's going on there. You just, you just go straight. He said, and your rose will be very straight. Well, needless to say, it took us a long time to learn that. But eventually, we're able to, to do what he said. And so I was thinking that as we go through life and as we go through this uh, path that we're in, we cannot look at the steering wheel. We cannot look at the ground. We have to have uh, a vision of what's coming at the end. Otherwise, you, we would not get there in that sense. So you have to know what's happening ahead, ahead. So what's, what's there? And I think I, I read a scripture a, a while back, this Psalm 105, I believe. Psalm 105, verse 16, that uh, Fabian had read before this. I read it in a couple of versions, but I will only read two of them. One it says, uh, Psalm 105, verse six, uh, I think it's 19. He's talking about Joseph. And he said, until his prediction came true, the decree of the Lord purged him. And another verse says, God's promise to Joseph 
purge his character until, until it was time for his dreams to come true. And so uh, uh, we have uh, several people have said that the important thing right now is the process we're in. The process is what we need to uh, uh, focus on, but it also says that his dreams did come true. It also says that uh, the decree of the Lord uh, uh, came true. So we need to be careful. Yes, the process is what is important right now, but also we need to see that there's an end to it. There's an end. And so otherwise, uh, even though we accept the process, even though uh, we realize the process is for us to grow, but we cannot focus on that because there's something else at the end of that process, which is what we want to see. And so now we go back to the book of Deuteronomy uh, chapter nine. Now chapter eight, he has some very interesting things. Uh, he's telling them uh, where he's going to take them. And then he, what is he doing that? Verse two of uh, chapter eight. And he keeps telling them what, um, to be careful that what, once they get there, they don't say that it was there by their power, by their might. But then we come to uh, chapter nine. And he says, hear Israel. Now this is the process. You are to cross over the Jordan today and go in to this process, nations greater and mightier than yourself, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the descendants of the Arachim, whom you know and of whom you heard it said, who can stand before the descendants of Anak? And so that's where we are. Exactly there. Uh, and that's how it looks like it to ourselves. Great and tall. Whom you know. And so each one of us know that. Each one of us is facing those giants. And he says, uh, we have said this before. Who can stand before the descendants of Anak? Who can stand this test? It's one of us, whatever we're going through, who can stand this? But look, therefore understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes over before you as a consuming fire. And so yes, they are, they are giants. Yes, the test is beyond what I can do, but there's somebody else there with me. And he says he's a consuming fire. He's going ahead of us and he will destroy them and bring them down before you. So there's a promise that whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, he will destroy that eventually. He will be the one that will do it. Of course, we would want it to be true tomorrow. Or maybe before we meet the Lord. But whatever the time element, element is, is going to happen. 
And that's where we are to, to focus ahead. There's, it's coming to an end to that. And he said, uh, he goes over before you as a consuming fire. He will destroy them. Whatever you're going through, whatever the test is, whatever the temptation, whatever the shortcoming, whatever the weakness, he will destroy that. And he will bring that down before us. Can you believe that? Can I believe that? There's some things you and I have been fighting. Uh, there's some battles we have had for many years. Maybe some of them since we first became Christians. And they're still there. But there's a promise. He will destroy them and bring them down before you. So you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord has said to you. Now here comes the warning. Do not think in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out before you, saying, because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. We should have understood that a long time ago. But I didn't. I don't know about you. But somehow we thought it was because of our effort, because of our commitment. After all, we, we did do some things that not everybody else does. He says, be careful. It's not because of your righteousness, of the uprightness of your heart, that you go in to possess the land. So we are possessing that land, but not, it's not because of us. It's because of he has said it. And he said, but it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is driving them out before you. And so there are nations that have been uh, slaving us to a certain extent, but they're going to be driven out. And so as we go, through this process where these nations have been driven out, we got to see the end of it. One day they will not be here. And he says, uh, and that he might fulfill the word which the Lord swore to your fathers. And so there's a word that he gave to our fathers. He said he gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the word was he will bless them he will make them a big nation and he will give them a land that was a promise given to them and because it was given to them it has been given to us and the Lord is saying because I gave them that promise I'm going to do it and so I think uh, we should uh, shout amen yeah. hallelujah he's going to do it and we must remember that while we go through the test, whatever that is. And he says, uh, verse 6, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. The warning again. Somehow repeats the same thing over and over again. And he will give you an answer in the next verses why he does that. And he said, 
Therefore, understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. Wow. I don't know if I can accept that or not, but I think life has proven that it is true. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I would have been further along. But the fact remains that those verses that we just read, there's mercy there. There's love there. There's grace there, even though he calls them a stiff-necked people. Now we go to chapter 36 of Ezekiel. Verse 16. Now if you read these chapters, it's describing the stiff-necked people. Hundreds of years later, he's still dealing with them. And I'm so glad God doesn't give up easily. I cannot judge those fellows because I've been there. How many times I have been felt the Lord helping me out. And I went right back to what he wanted me to leave behind. Because just like Paul says, we find, we find in us another man that sometimes is stronger than the new man. And he takes us the wrong way. And we come back again. And he's there again to help us. And so he's, he's describing these people. But listen to what he's going to do. There's a promise here. He said, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwell in their own land, they defile it by their own ways and deeds. To me, the way was like the uncleanness of a woman. It, therefore, I pour out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for the idols which they had defiled it. It's hard to uh, accept that, to realize that uh, sometimes we're there too. But listen to, to so I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But the good news are coming. Perhaps those good news don't come unless we accept what we just read. I don't know what happened to you or what happened to me, but, but when I'm in the presence of the Lord or we were just a few minutes ago, you realize 
How holy is he? And how merciful is he to come and visit us? And it reminds me of that verse that says, what is man? What is man that you care about him? What is Gabriel that you look and give attention to him? What are we? But then he changes his tone and he said, but I had concern for my holy name. You see, there's a strength, there's a force that cannot be stopped. There's no way we can stop that. In a sense, his work is going to continue regardless of which way we go. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, says to the house of Israel, and this is, goes right along to the chapter we just read. Thus says the Lord of God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. So there's a strength there that is beyond any, anything we can imagine, anything we can think of. There's a strength, the strength of his name. And he said, for my name, I'm going to do this. Now, how can be anything better than that? How can anything be surer than that? How can be any doubts that is going to happen? So when I'm standing here and I'm right in, in, in the midst of a trial, uh, right in the midst of, of a difficult situation, maybe we don't see things as they should be. Maybe the community is not working as they should be. Maybe your neighbor is not, doing, uh, is not behaving as he should. But in the midst of that, there's a voice stronger than that. There's a voice that is saying, that's going to come to an end. And not because of you, but because of my name. And so, if you read that carefully, it will bring great encouragement to your heart. Because no matter what you're going through, no matter how things look right now, no matter in what hole you are, there's a promise that that is going to come to an end. And the reason is not you, as it says there. The reason is not me. The reason is his name and because he has said it. And so he said, uh, I do not do this for your sake of house, of house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, even though he says you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And then he says, I will sanctify my great name. So he's going to do it. He's going to do that. He said, uh, which have been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord. And so the nations will know his name. Sometimes, uh, and that is correct too, that they shall know his name through, our, through us. But in this very, uh, chapter, he's saying that they know him, they're going to know it because he is the Lord. Says the Lord God, when I am sanctifying you, in you. What happened then? Are we, what are we then? Are we the stiff-necked people? 
or what? Because he says, I'm going to be sanctified where? In you. Wow. In me? In Ben? Is that what he's saying? But he's saying he's going to do it. I'm going to be sanctified in you. What a God we serve. Some of you, myself included, would get discouraged with one another. But we get discouraged because we don't see people getting healed. We don't see things working out the way we have read. We look inside and we don't see that holiness that he's looking for. Can I dwell there? We have to look ahead. If you want to row, to row, you row to be straight, you have to look ahead. You can't be looking at the process even though the process is necessary, even though the process, he says there, is purchased you. But what he says there, the dream came true. The important thing, it was as important the process as it was the end. It was important that Joseph will get to the place where God wanted him to go. But it was also very important that when he get there, he will know why he got there. And so when he gets there, he says, you thought that this was going to be an evil thing you did to me, but it wasn't. It was God's plan. When he got there, he knew why he was there. And so through the process, the thing is that we, when we end there, we'll know why we ended there. And so he said, uh, when I'm sanctified in you before their eyes, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle, sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I don't know if you noticed that uh, every time the Holy Spirit comes down in one of our openings, or in one of our meetings, when you leave the meeting, there's a difference where you, you are there's some energy there to tackle the task ahead. Whatever it is, you feel renewed. You feel like you can go on with the day. Why? Because the Lord has been there and he has spoken through your brother, to your sister, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and you come out and you are ready for whatever. And so he said, I will do that. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. And so we must remember that when we, when we feel guilty or something, when we feel, uh, you know that he will clean you up. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. You and I have some idols over there. But let's not focus on that. Let us remember that 
is coming to an end. And then uh, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Thank you, Lord. We were singing tonight, creating me a new heart of God. So here it is. This is the promise. He's going to do it. It will not be because of efforts. It will not be because it says because of our name. It will be because of his name. I will give you a new heart. Put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. If there ever was a time when we needed that is now. A soft heart. He's the only one that can do it. I cannot work it out. I just can't. But the promise is there. I will give you a new heart. With a new spirit within you, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you, and listen to this, and cause you to walk in my statutes. Cause you to do. What else do we want? I will cause you to do it. If I understand correctly, what he's saying in English, he's saying, I will do it. I will do it in you. I will make you walk in the things I have spoken to you. We must admit that the things he speaks to us to do are beyond our ability, are beyond our, our, our capacity. There's just no way you can do it. Getting along with a brother that you cannot get along, you cannot do it. He's been proven, you can't do it. How many years have gone by? But here's the promise, he can do it. We come to him, he will do it. There's no doubt about it. And so we have to see the end of it. We cannot see the, the difference right now. You cannot see the hard words right now. You have to go and see the end of it. It's coming an end to it. And cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. What? You will keep my judgments and do them. Yeah. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multi multiply it and bring no famine upon you. So when you are going to a dry land, as we often do, we need to remember it's coming to an end to this. It's coming to an end. There was a time, there was a terrible drought there in the area where the farm in Mexico. 
this. Abel was about maybe five. And he was able to cross the river. It was so dry. He would just jump from one rock to the other one and go to the other, to the other end. Dry as can be. And so some of the brethren from the States came to visit us for a convention. And we gathered together, Brother Stan Martin, Brother Steve, uh, and uh, I can't remember who else was there. We gathered to pray, and they pray, we, the whole family pray, pray that the, the water will come. And we have uh, tried to retain the water by building this dam uh, with uh, sacks full of uh, sand. Uh, and so we have made this. It took us about three weeks to do that. And we didn't get much water. But that night we prayed. And the next day, all our work was gone. You know why? The water came. And overnight, overnight, I could hear it. You can, it's so quiet over there that I could hear the water come in. And I could not believe it. I said, wow. Overnight. That water came. Now this is better than that. He said he's going to terminate. He's going to put an end to our uncleanness. And he's going to, he said, I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you never again hear or bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Even the reproach is going to be done away with. Perhaps the reproach comes from, your, for, from yourself, about yourself. But listen, you need to believe what is written there. You need to see far away while you drive your tractor and your row will be straight. And he says, uh, then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were no good. And you will load yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. That uh, remind us of, of the book of Job at the end. And then he says, not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong there. There's mercy there. There's love there. Because when we are not in doing His will, when we are not in His way, that's exactly what we're doing what he says there. And we will know when that day comes. And he says, Thus says the Lord, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land, we feel like that. Listen to this. 
shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land was desolate, has become like the Garden of Eden. One day, and the wasted, desolate, and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which, which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, has spoken it. That's our hope. That's where I stand. And I will do it. So we need to encourage our hearts. I know we're facing a lot of difficulties and a lot of hopeless, or so they look to us, uh, hopeless things. Not so. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Now, Brother David read this verse not long ago. Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like a flock. I read it. In a Another version says, Thus says the Lord God, this also I will be persuaded to do for the house of Israel to multiply them like sheep. Another version says, Thus said the Lord God, Moreover, in this I will respond to the house of Israel and act for their sake. I will multiply their people like sheep. Finally, Thus says the Lord God, For this also I will let the house of Israel inquire of me to do it for them. I will increase their men like a flock. And so, as we go through these difficult times, whatever the test may be, remember, he has promised he's going to do a work right in us. good line when most most everybody in one respect or another is facing something that seems pretty formidable or just impossible and uh, I, I, I came in if I were spoken tonight would have been on um, not losing heart because I feel like the things that we are facing really is the uh, the enemy's intention is to cause us to lose heart, to lose courage. And yet, if we stand through them and allow, really, the Lord to work, it will, in, in essence, strengthen our hearts and give us confidence. Because I think we need this line in particular because we, we are, um, we can do a lot of things. And I don't mean just like patting ourselves on the back that we're, 
you know, we've demonstrated, like, whatever the challenge, we can rise to meet the challenge. But God has put us here, in, in particular, at this location, and I kid about it, and sometimes I'm not kidding. It. You know, why did God put us here instead of making it a little bit more accessible? But when it comes to times getting in and out of here, we, we know that we can't change the river. That right, Rev? You got to just. Yeah, you. you <laughs> we've tried over the years different things to change the river, and it's just like you have to work with what God gives you. You got to just let it run its course. And I don't mean that haphazardly, but. And I remember uh, somebody uh, said to me, um, "My point is, we're we're helpless in this respect, in terms of getting in and out." We can do most anything, really, but we are at the Lord's mercy to, to do it. If he wants to shut something down, it's going to be the river, and he can, can have his way there. But someone said to me Saturday, they asked me, um, well, how's a helicopter? And I, I looked at them, I, and I, was, I thought they were joking. And they said, I said, well, finally, I said, what, what do you mean? They said, well, I heard you guys got a helicopter to get in and out. I said, well, I wish. I said, no, no, we're, we're still using boats. He said, all oh, another rumor. But um, I think this is, we're, we're here in a sense to, as a reminder that there are some things that we have to rely on God for to do. I remember one time, we, I won't ramble much longer, but we uh, thought it was when Abel was talking about the river coming and water coming at night. We, we were uh, in the middle of the winter and we were, we, most of us were still on the island and somewhere in the shop, the big building down here. But the slough was really nasty getting back and forth and all of a sudden it dried up and so we, we decided to get back and forth. We were going to build this, there's just a little trickle of water. So we we're going to build this nice bridge out of these logs. Guys remember that. And we thought this is it. Like this is <laughs> We are set for the winter. Like we don't need, we just, we don't need to rely on anything. We just got a nice way of getting people safely. Wasn't too much to ask. It was pretty formidable at times just trying to navigate the water. I mean, if you fell in and it's 30 or 40 below, you may not come up. Well, and I think, uh, wasn't, your, brother, your folks were here, right, Vicki? And I think, I remember we, Vicky's brother was in a wheelchair and we we actually wheeled Mike over that bridge and back and it's like I just remember the feeling like this finally we were well that night I don't know who was praying but the water came and it just I remember going out the next morning and like that all of our efforts washed down the slough like way down so uh, once again the Lord has made a point uh, in, in things that we are facing presently that we cannot do it, but he can. And we, we've got we've to put that out there in the, in, the, in the spirit. I appreciate Ron opening here. In the midst of all the craziness that we face, it's like you do not know what's coming next. Just when you think you've seen crazy, some, some, somebody talks crazy. It's like you've got to be kidding. So... Lord is, uh, Lord is good to us. He is going to do what he says. Not, 
because of us, in spite of us. So, Lord, we thank you for this night. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Help us, Lord, to abide in it, Lord, to not lose heart. But to take strength and take courage when we see what appears to be an impossibility to us. Lord, we know that you have said nothing is too difficult for you, saith the Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. We hold to that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.